You can find out more on my Instagram at Quiet Fire Radio. Thank you for joining us on another afternoon here at Quiet Fire. I have the thrill now of introducing Melbourne band and questionably titled Laser Tits. How are you today, guys? Questionably titled. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I just wanted to touch base with you guys. I've been following your socials and following the band for a little while, and I just wanted to see where you were up to with you know there's been some sort of teasery type things on social and i know that you know you might not be comfortable with announcing them on this program right now but do you want to further tease me or announce what you can or let me know what the band is up to at the moment well we've said we're yeah Yeah. we're midway through recording our second album and there is a few things dropping soon yeah some (laughs) A couple couple of things (laughs) in the next couple of weeks, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we could say approximate timeline. Yeah? Yeah. In a couple of weeks, you'll be hearing some some things. And later half of the year, there will be our second album. That is so exciting, guys. So, the first Laser Tits album, Not Punk Per Se, was released in 2017. And there's been sort of a handful of singles since then but I'm guessing that a lot of the focus has either been outside of the band but I know as well a large amount of focus has been on the live show is that fair to say yeah absolutely we've we've always been pretty slow in getting our shit together (laughs) and I think that it took us a long time to to sort of get going and that that album was like a big slug we made two film clips recorded it and released it ourselves it was all a big big undertaking and then I think yeah yeah, we just hooned the live shows for a while and now we've finally gotten sick of playing the same songs for the last (laughs) however many years yeah (laughs) however some of these singles we've had in the works for like a year there are new songs yeah Um. yeah (laughs) we've been playing them for a while but it's nice to finally record them and add some extra guitar and stuff and you know get them really honed in so yeah and the, and I think the rest of the album will well yet to be finally written I guess <laughs> but I guess given the fact that we're not going to be playing any live shows for the foreseeable future they'll be brand new when people hear the recording yeah. so yeah that's very exciting news guys now tell me a little bit about getting into the weeds with the recording process is the getting into the weeds the songwriting process or is it the recording process which part of it is the sticky part for you guys? Probably the recording process. I mean, this is really a hobby for all of us. I work in writing, Amy works in government, Rose works for a uni, Em's a teacher. So it's really, you know, like a big, we do it for the love of it sort of thing. So usually it's literally finding a weekend where we can all get away and record. Yeah, songwriting comes pretty naturally for us, but it's recording and getting together that (laughs) is the hard part. And tell me about the recording process for this album. Has it changed at all from your previous album? Have you gone a bit more hi-fi or lo-fi or or where have you gone with that? (laughs) Massively. Yes, we have. Yeah, our last album we actually recorded live apart from a few overdubs and we even kept some of the singing from the live one I think we we did all of the singing live except for the ones where I was also playing yeah yeah so that was recorded in two days and we did 10 songs in two days just all live with 
Paul Mabry and it was it was a great experience but this one we've decided to go yeah a bit more high tech and we've been recording with Andy McEwen but yeah we went away for a weekend and did you should half mention that album. Andy's my partner oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah sorry Andy's like an incredible producer who um is the drummer for Huntley and has a solo and Gregor <laughs> yeah and Gregor has a solo electronic project called um and is just such a fantastic producer so really you know actually produced us this time like mm. instead of us just coming and playing like made some really sick suggestions really, like, and he sort yeah of... yeah changed a few parts of songs well suggested them and we were like yes that's incredible like and I think the like a key difference that I think we all really enjoyed we went away to Andy's parents beach house and set up for the weekend and recorded mm. recorded four songs so far and we've never really spent that much time doing overdubs and really trying to like get the sound really neat and tough and mm. sick because we've always like imposter syndromed ourselves out of taking our <laughs> recordings seriously yeah and, like, yeah never I feel like most of the time when we've done recordings, I've always come out of it being like, oh, I can't play guitar. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think in this process, everyone felt like being able to like sit down and, and overdub parts really precisely mm. made all of us feel like we were actually really good at our instruments. Yeah. And Andy especially like cracked the whip. Like my fingers were bleeding on one day because they made me do the same solo, I think like 15 times. And I was like, I hate you, but I love you. But it's <laughs> so good. Sounds so good. But yeah. So we got half of it done and then I got into an exchange for my uni and went overseas. And then by the time I got back, it was COVID and all the plans were messed around. So <laughs> we, we've got to do the rest. One of my favorite parts of listening to you guys is the lyrics set. Who comes up with them and, and what's the inspiration when writing the words for the songs? I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of half, half and half, half you and the me. two of us. Yeah. Um, Lexi is a really good riff writer and songwriter. And Thank you. I, you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, our like songwriting processes has always been pretty like iterative and like kind of like kernels of ideas. And sometimes, I mean, like, I mean, crying at the tote, Lexi wrote the song and I had the lyrics. Mm. I can't remember which way it yeah. happened. But we sort of had a very different melody to start off with. And mm. then it was quite like, like cute and then I came up with a few mel like different sort of melodies and then we made it a bit rougher but yeah I don't know it's sort of half and half between us two and then we usually are just singing what we're sort of like taken by or angry about at the time mostly for me it's what I'm angry about <laughs> yeah I, I think it's like very reflective of like whatever's going on for all of us at the moment at that time it's not very cryptic it's not very like it could be poetic, but I think yeah. it's like, uh, I don't know, for the most of us, it's kind of just like, I, the way I write lyrics is like when I'm like having a time and I'm writing in my diary. And then <laughs> sometimes if I like, oh, so that really works, yeah. it'll yeah. spark a, a song. Yeah. But I feel like all the new stuff that we're working on at the moment is mostly Lexi though. I usually dream about songs. I wake up at like 1.30 in the morning and I get out my voice memo app on my phone and just go like, sing it. And then in the morning, I sort of figure it out. It's weirdly been like that recently. Dream songs. You touched there very briefly on crying at the tote. Was that an actual occurrence or was that a dream? Where did that come from? Because that song, it kind of 
it conjured up a really strong imagery of me and I, for me. And it's a, it's a song that I feel like people across Australia, anyone who's been to Melbourne and had a few too many or, or seen a band can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was very real. <laughs> it was quite funny. Yeah, I'd broken up with a long-term partner and I was mostly really happy about it <laughs> and felt quite freed. And we were at the tote in the beer garden and it was the first time I'd seen like a bunch of my girlfriends and me and Lexi were living together at the time so mm. she knew what was going on and mm. or maybe no maybe we weren't living together oh no that was and you my asked, breakup yeah yeah anyway, <laughs> and um and yeah I spurred it it was my fault Lexi I, was like how are you I was like oh no I'm doing great it's so cool I'm like doing all this stuff and Lexi's like but how are you how and then I just you? like really <laughs> broke down and like even though I wasn't sad I just had this like I was like overcome with emotion and I was really embarrassed because I was just like bawling in the courtyard of the tote. And then all of my beautiful girlfriends were like, it's fine, babe. I cried at the tote this time. Like the line about asking for a sparkling wine and then they laugh at her. That was our friend, um, Ol. (laughs) And she cried because she felt really like embarrassed and like, yeah, yeah. They were like, no, but then they served her one anyway. Love the tote, love all the bar stuff at the tote, but you know. It's such an amazing uh, institution that still exists. And sadly, as a Sydney cider, nearly all of the really long-term institutions that we have up here died. Like our, our sort of equivalent, the Annandale Hotel, has been dead for a few years now. What do you guys see as the, the music scene, I guess, from your experience, which is Melbourne, on the other side of this quarantine? I think that you know, it would be overly optimistic or, or something to just say everything's going to go back to normal. Just outside of the laser tits bubble, what do you guys see is going to kind of happen musically at the way that we experience live music in the next two years? Who knows? I mean, there's been talk of like shows opening up to just 50 patrons and things like that, but it's not viable for pubs and venues. Yeah, that's like large international. Oh, maybe not international. No, like big- but- even like the curtain and things like that, like, you know, we're, we're mates with a lot of the bookers down here and it's just not worth it for them to hire staff and have people on for the night and security and stuff. So I think it's unfortunately going to be quite a long time before we can get back to the big rowdy shows. But, you know, things like Isolate have been really cool to watch. Like I sort mm. of love just being like, you know, in my pyjamas in front of the heater, like watching live shows. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's something about our age and us being at the like <laughs> older end of the DIY punk spectrum yeah. in the Melbourne scene um, or I'm what, sure but like, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of, I feel like a lot of people I know who I know through the music scene through like different bands and stuff are all like kind of homebodies anyway. Mm. And like, I mean, everyone's missing the tote and everyone's like fanging for a, rock show for sure but I think it's like I don't know it's kind of maybe a nice breather at the moment but that said like I don't really foresee I I really hope that it will survive and yeah as long as the venues survive I reckon people will double down when it comes back totally but there's like a real real big dedication in the scene towards venues as well like Mm. I think people really um, there's been a lot of GoFundMes and support you know charity things and stuff I think the scene shall emerge, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm like, 
I'm interested to see, I think there's going to be obviously heaps of music, like recorded music coming out of this time. And this thing that like all, all the like home recording equipment's completely sold out like everywhere. So mm. I, I think at the very least it goes without saying, but there's going to be heaps of really good music coming out and mm. maybe it'll be a while till we can all go to Meredith <laughs> or go to the tote or whatever. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel hopeful about it. Maybe I haven't given it that much thought, though. <laughs> yeah, I think I I might be slightly projecting because I know that the the Sydney experience is vastly different from the Melbourne experience. I feel like in in Melbourne it's so culturally entrenched going to live shows, whereas here there's a lot of people who do it to I don't know maybe increase their Instagram following or take a photo in one of the grotty bathrooms or whatever and then leave before the band plays. Well, our experience of playing Sydney has felt really, yeah, I, f I feel like trying to book shows in Sydney is really hard. Like, mm -hmm. they're like, we won't book you unless you can guarantee a certain amount of people. So, like, that would, that, but I mean, yeah, maybe that that's just us tour. as little baby dogs, but um, yeah. I don't know. It's, I feel like our second tour was way better. We played at the bank and it, like, you know, like there was a really good crowd there and stuff. Oh, upstairs at Waywards? Yeah. Upstairs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a really fun in terms of like what you're saying about the like the viability of shows. Yeah, I don't know. I feel there. like the punters definitely like you know we're a Melbourne band, so the punters come out for us sort of thing. Whereas in Sydney, we're relatively unheard of, so it's different. <laughs> yeah. Onto a slightly different topic now, and I know that this was a little bit tongue in cheek, <laughs> but um, if we look back at your first album, uh, not punk per se, what genre is it that you would like to ascribe yourselves to this is our Impossible. biggest conundrum of all time have people um, asked you this question a lot are you sick of answering this or is it you, you don't think of yourselves as a country bluegrass band or anything like that funnily enough when we started we had a real country song and then we were That's like true. nah get rid of that <laughs> i reckon like um it was called mouth of the river <laughs> i don't know we sort of say garage like rap punk Brat punk. Yeah, brat punk. Okay. <laughs> That's what we said. But <laughs> that, like, that name kind of rose out of, for some reason, I guess, like, the first song we ever put out called Gender Studies, like, I don't know, I listen back on it now and I'm like, that is such a, it's really slow and it's really, yeah. like, friendly. But for some reason it was, it, it portrayed us. It was our only recording that we had up for ages and people were like, ah, this is a punk band. We'll book them for punk shows. And we yeah. played with some really funny, big, punk bands <laughs> well, heavy yeah weird. and then yeah. we'd get on stage <laughs> and yeah it would i don't know definitely not a punk show in our early early days yeah. and i think it's yeah. maybe we're heavier than we used to be now maybe we are yeah. more punk than we used to be i, I don't think know. we are <laughs> it was like always a fulfilling process. i think it's it, there's something in the name as well like it doesn't seem like um laser tits is the name of a band who want to get play on today fm for example <laughs> <laughs> Look, it started as an absolute joke and then we all sort of fell in love with it and then it was kind of too late to change the name. We did talk about it for a little while when we started taking it a bit more seriously. Yeah. Remember when we had a vote? <laughs> yeah. We had a vote. We used to have a fifth member. Was also, Emily, our, our drummer, is a primary school teacher and she was always really sheepish about mm. the name and... We, there was an article, some like Herald Sun article for some reason about us that 
um, <laughs> where we admitted that we hadn't told our, our nanas what the name of the band was and that we called ourselves the Laser Tartars to our nanas. And mm. then I think we're going to call ourselves the Tartars. The Tartars, Which is yeah. Linda Belcher's band in um, Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Uh, but, of course. Like, I feel like it's like a blessing and a curse. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like... I'm catching on a poster, but it's also like I hate telling people like like they're like, Oh, you're in a band. I'm like, Yeah, what's it called? I'm like, No, oh, <laughs> <laughs> But whatever. I don't know. We're sort of bratty at the end of the day and it sort of works, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah. It doesn't stop people from asking like, Oh, so where are the laces on your tits? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so you talk there a little bit about you know becoming more punk as well i know that you've got a song somewhere there in the back catalog called shonen knife which i assume was like sort of a little bit of a what you, homage homage <laughs> yeah who are some of the bands that you you guys have been listening to in the last you know since the last album that have changed the direction of what you guys are doing now big brave <laughs> big brave definitely i don't know Lexi's always been into. You've always been into. Oh metal. yeah, I was like a huge metal hardcore kid when I was a teenager. Recently, I've been listening to a lot of Constant Mongrel. I love them. Let's think about this. I don't know. I don't want to say too many like heavy bands, but I love heavy heavy music. My I like learnt to play some new chords with from my friend, who I was trying to learn how to play shoegaze music. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was like, or like, I don't know, post-punky kind yeah. of shoegaze. I'm just listening to pop music at the moment, really. <laughs> Dua Lipa and like Carolyn Polachek or whatever from yeah. Fairlift. Yeah. I don't know. I would say Big Brave has been like my main influence in like heavier sounding guitars and like yeah. using pedals in a different way and like maybe using like guitar sounds. I have to more. say I've been thrashing my bloody Valentine again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It comes from everywhere. But I don't know if we ever have sort of tried to emulate a sound or another band. Like, it's always been... We all have very different music tastes, so it's always been, like, a weird mesh between the four of us. Yeah. yeah. Laser Tits, it's been an absolute joy. Amy and Lexi, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for exclusively announcing your incoming album at the back half of this year. I can't wait. Please put me on the mailing list for when the singles get released. I'm going to give them a spin here on Quiet Fire. But right now, I'm going to give it a spin to your the opening song from your last record, Yeah Nah, as they would yeah. say if you were in Maroubra or if you were in, um, what's that lovely suburb that you have down there? Frankston. Isn't that how you'd say it in Frankston? How would you say it in Frankston? <laughs> I grew up on the peninsula, so I'm very well acquainted with Franger. <laughs> yeah, nah, nah, yeah, yeah, nah. Uh, well, laser tips. And this is yeah, nah. <laughs> and you're listening to Quiet Fire Radio. 